Thank you for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. Starting chapter um, 11, and uh, I have to agree with Tom when he said, how are you going to do this? <laughs> because this is one of those lessons that is really foreign to us when, when it comes to head coverings, all that kind of stuff. For us, you know, we think, well, what does that have to do with our belief and our faith? And if you notice, it says veils, because King James, I think, used the word veils. Uh, and it says custom or command. And so what we're going to do is look at whether something is a custom whether something is a command for God. Remember, we've already studied that, that Paul dealt with this idea of making judgments. Sometimes you have to discern, and you have to discern the principle based on the principle that God has for our lives. Well, he is carrying this on in this 11th chapter, and uh, I, I want to read those verses uh, just straight through, and then we'll, we'll take the slides here. Here it says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything, and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying Disgrace, uh, disgraces his head. But every woman uh, who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one, and the same with her whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For a man ought to have his head, ought not to have his head covered, since he is in the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman 
ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. Okay. I'm going to stop there. There's some really interesting things in this particular passage, but let's, let's get some background here. Now, Paul is going to a non-Jewish place, Gentiles. There in Corinth, they have their own pagan practices. And what we find out is that when it had uh, dealt with head coverings or placing a head covering over your head, Jewish women did. Jewish men didn't. Roman men did in their pagan worship. They would put coverings on their heads in pagan worships. Have you ever seen some of the movies where the Romans are laying siege to Jerusalem and they have their pagan priests come in. They got these weird looking cone hats on. Have you ever seen that? I guess it's kind of a cone hat. They look like, yeah, they look like a cone head. And uh, I mean, it's really strange. And it's because the pagan religions the men would cover their heads. Kind of a, an odd thing. So the Roman men, they would cover their heads. Uh, but when it came to Greek men, they didn't. Uh, there were all kinds of customs that, that started in with the church. You, you get this variety of people from all types of pagan religions and they've got all kinds of different hats. You know, one of the strangest hats I always thought were the Shriners. Did, did you? And how many of you remember Fred Flintstone in his lodge? Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes a head covering can be really strange. And that's the kind of picture that we get from these pagan religions. So they're beginning to argue about it. They're beginning to cause some problems. Now, I, I'm going to mention this later on, but I want, to do, I want to mention that many prostitutes that would be in Corinth would shave their head, and that's how you knew they were a prostitute. And so Paul's going to deal with this, this idea 
of not having having the covering. So he has to find a solution to this. And Paul's solution is orderliness. He is one of the most logic, logical persons you'd ever want to meet. He uses logic all the time. But his logic is usually based in Scripture. And so we're going to take a look at the solution that he comes to. Now, the first thing, the problem was not about the veils or the head coverings. Okay? That's not the problem. When we, when we read this, we think that's the problem. But the real problem was about being orderly. The real problem was, what is it conveying? And you've got all this contention about whether you should, you shouldn't. And so that is the main part of this passage. So what is the main part of this passage? Order, order. Okay, and I don't want you to forget that because that's what is important, this order. So he says, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. Now, some people think that that verse should have gone in the previous chapter. But nevertheless, it's in this chapter, and it applies. It applies even to this chapter. Uh, Paul is trying to imitate Jesus. He's trying to do things the Jesus way. And he says, if I try to follow Jesus, then you follow me. Okay? Now, verse 2, let's, let's look at this here. It says, now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of a woman. And God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Now, I, I want to put a little twist on this. Let's go back. He said, verse 3, I want you to understand... Who is the head of every man? Who is it? Christ. In this verse, he says, every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Jesus. He says, what, what you have to realize is that man is under Christ. Now, we're going to get into that a little bit more, but I just, I just want to point this out. He's not saying disgraces your hair because it gets messed up or, or whatever, you know. He, he says, when you're praying or prophesying, disgrace your head. 
He says, but every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. Who is head of the woman? Man. Okay. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. What did it mean for a woman to have her head shaved? A prostitute, one who is throwing off all authority. Okay? So with the covering missing, she's throwing off authority. She's, and also that sign of being a prostitute. He says, for if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it's disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. Now, here's what Paul says about these head coverings or the veils. There exists a divinely appointed natural order. Okay. Let me ask you, would you agree that there is God and there is Christ and there is man who is made in the image of God and there is woman who is taken from his rib? Would you agree with that? And that that's a natural order? Okay. So... He says there exists a divinely appointed natural order. Now, what he's saying is our worship should reflect this order. Men pray without covering. Women pray with covering. And, and by doing that, you are showing the natural divine order. Some of you may remember the, in the Catholic Church, it was required that women wear a covering. I remember uh, going with my stepfather to the Catholic Church, and my mother was there, and she put a handkerchief on her head because at that time you had to have a covering. Right. Okay, Paul's point is about order. It's not about head coverings. Okay, and that's what he's trying to... This church is going to ha has a real problem about order in worship. I mean, things have really gotten out of hand in their worship. And this is going to continue this principle. He says in verse 7, For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is in the image and glory of God. But the woman is in the glory of man. I remember doing premarital counseling for a couple. And in the vows... The traditional vows, it says you promise to obey. The woman promises that. 
well, this young lady spoke up. I'm not saying that. I don't promise to obey him. And I'm thinking, if you're not going to obey now, do you think he's a tyrant? Is he a tyrant? Is he, is he mean? Is he ungodly? Well, no. But I'm not going to obey him. <clears throat> we had a long discussion about the roles of a man and a woman. And I realized clear back then that roles were being smeared, blended, that there was no longer different roles and an orderliness to it. We had a long discussion, and she finally said, okay, put it in. I did. They're divorced. And I saw that one coming because I knew in her heart she was going to do what she wanted in life. And she was not about to listen. And that's always a bad thing. And it's bad when a man doesn't listen to his wife. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I, I go to Carol, I say, what do you want, little woman? She knocks me down, right? No, <laughs> that's not true. <clears throat> but there is a respect. There is a respect that is needed in the order. Mutual respect. And Paul's going to get to that mutual respect, too, in, in just a, a few verses here. There is a divine order. He says, for man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Why was woman created? Companionship. Companionship a suitable helpmate, as some versions put it. A companion, someone to help. Haven't we really messed all of this up in our society? We have. Sometimes you get these overbearing men who have no respect for their wives, or you have the rebellious wife who doesn't want to listen at all to her husband. We get these things bent way out of shape. And it seems like we always end up going to the extreme, don't we? Right? You're with me. Okay. <laughs> Here's 10. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Hmm. Now, what? does that mean because of the angels? A woman at, ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Um, on my, um, on the side thing, it says here, there is much confusion concerning the phrase because of the angels. 
the most natural understanding for their presence in the worship services would be angels as heavenly beings created for the work of God. In this case, the presence of these exalted heavenly visitors ought to inspire these women to demonstrate their submission to their husbands and to God. Who are the angels submissive to? God. They are, they are messengers that receive their orders from God to minister to us. And yeah, I believe they are present. I think there's angels here right now. And they're present in our worship. And there's, there's other interpretations on this, such as, uh, well, what happened to the angels when they didn't follow their order? Yeah, Satan rose up, didn't he? He rose up, fell from grace, was cast out of heaven. The prime example of not respecting the authority that was over them. And so Paul is, is looking here and he says, Women, remember what happened to the angels. Remember what happened to the angels. And I would probably add, Men, what happens when you don't put God first in your life? You are made in the image of God, and you are to reflect that image in all that you do in your household. So, this, this is the solution for solving the disorder that's going on. Everyone's claiming to be the authority. So, Man was created first. God created all others through woman, though, didn't he? I remember my mom. <laughs> I wasn't always the easiest to raise. And my mom would say to me every once in a while, you just remember who gave you birth. <laughs> and I'd say, yes, ma'am. You know, there's an order there, isn't there? An order of respect. An order of love. An order of caring. And, and the point is, we've got to follow that order. Christ is the covering for man. His uncovered head signifies that. However, in the Lord, and this is Paul, now he's going to say, don't forget this principle. He says, however, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. You can see how independent I am of my wife when she's gone for a week. I'm a mess. You know, I can't cook. I need my wife, my helpmate, the one that I know encourages me, 
strengthens me, helps me through difficult times. You know, we got to remember that too. We got to remember that that man is born from woman. So Paul is just kind of giving a reminder to say, don't get so puffed up. Don't get so puffed up. He says, for as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. He says, keep, keep that in mind. Uh, now, it's, it's kind of interesting that he points out there exists this divine order and what we do in our worship of God ought to reflect the natural order and that men should pray without head coverings to reflect their leadership here on this earth uh, by following Jesus Christ. Men ought to pray Women ought to pray with their heads covered in order to reflect their leadership from their husbands or their fathers. And that's important that I mention this, because in the Jewish faith, the father will watch over the daughter until she is married. And then once she is married... He releases that authority to whom she marries. So it's kind of interesting. Now, when you deal with this in uh, 13, judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Well, what is Paul saying here? Is he asking them, what do you think? But he's saying, judge, make a judgment based on the divine order. He says, judge for yourself. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? I mean, if, if that meant prostitution in their society and disrespect, then it's not proper, right? And in their culture, that's what it meant. In their culture, that's what it meant. He says... Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him? I grew up in the 60s. (laughs) I grew up in the 70s. I tried that long hair stuff. It didn't work in my house. My My mom sent me to my cousin who was the barber. She says, I'm paying for it. He gets his hair cut. And I remember doing that. Didn't you want to look like uh, Little House on the Prairie? What was his name? Michael Landon? Tom, did you ever want to look like Michael Landon? 
Never. <laughs> we never, we never even had the inclination to want to have long hair. We never did. Which is a good thing because my dad never would have permitted it. But we, we never had that. We never wanted to do it. Yeah. Because we always associated that with the rebels and the disorder. Yeah. We never, we never wanted to do it. Yeah, I was not allowed. Believe me. And we have two principals here. Did you ever have rules of how long that hair could be? Fights, battles. Battles. And facial hair. No, no facial hair, no sideburns. The hair had to be short. And boy, that's all changed. Yeah. And the sideburns during that time used to be down to here and out. I used to have the long sideburns, but not long. Big mutton chops? Yeah. Not flaring, because you couldn't do that. Why'd they have rules like that? Why did they? Why was that in the handbook? They were just to keep things orderly in the school. You know, yeah. We had rules, and it was part of learning to follow the rules. Same thing with the dress code, the big issues we had with girls and their skirts. And our shorts came in, and fight that battle, and it was just constantly a battle. And it was a, a real rebellious time in our culture. And those who had, who were inclined to rebel tested the system. They tested this idea, I'm going to let my hair grow here instead of here. Or I'm going to have sideburns here instead of here. I'm going to, you know, and it was just... This is what, same thing as what we have going on in Corinth. But it's head coverings. It's the same principle going on. And Paul sees that and he understands that. Now, Mark, before you, before you move on, this verse really, I don't know if it troubles me, but it's just really it's interesting. If in fact it says, does not even nature teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him, how come... Jesus, the disciples, everybody back then had long hair. They were portrayed as having long hair. Well, yep. We, we have no reason to believe that they actually had long hair. And I don't think they did. Yeah, I don't think, based on this, yep. I don't think they did either. They shouldn't have. Yeah, I don't think Jesus had long hair. And I didn't think he had blue eyes. And I didn't think he had uh, fair skin. You know? When we went to Haiti... We saw Jesus as a black man. And I thought, that's kind of neat, you know. But the image and, and what we learn here is they didn't have long hair during that time. How do we discern what is a cultural statement versus something that we should follow? I mean, we are, we're a first Christian church where we have gone back and we claim to go back to do things as early first Christians did. Is this not an yeah. example of the early first, first Christians? Women, those of us who have short hair, which is just about all of us, you know, should we not have, should we not let our hair grow long? Should we not be wearing hats in church? Um, you know, how do you make these decisions about this? You're all ready for us, aren't you? Yeah. No, no. I, I was planning to reveal that when that is mentioned, because it's bound to come up. It's bound to come up. Now, um, there are certain traditions 
And let's, let's take Jesus as an example. The Pharisees jumped all over Jesus for not washing his hands. It was a custom of the time for him to wash their hands because the Pharisees said, that's a rule. Did the Bible say, did the Torah say that was a rule? No. What we see happened in history when the Jews went into exile in Babylon. They had 70 years to reflect upon what did we do wrong. Where did we? And it always came to, we didn't follow the law. <clears throat> okay, what do we need to do to follow the law? Well, the law is right here, and I don't want to break it, so I'll put a fence right here with a bunch of rules. And so they made it a tradition to wash hands. What did Jesus say about those traditions? Right. In fact, he became angry at the traditions of men rather than the Torah, the law. And so what we have to ask here and what we're, what we're really seeing is truly the hair thing is a tradition. Okay? It is a tradition. But Paul is using a divine command of respect and orderliness. How does that differ from uh, women being pastors in churches or being teachers of men? How, how does that custom and what Paul is saying about that relate to you? Because I think Paul gives a divine command against that. It is not man who was deceived, but woman. So he gives that divine command to make a policy about women preachers. Uh, in fact, I, I probably sometime should do a lesson on that. What usually with a tradition, when you forget what it symbolizes, it no longer is relevant. Okay, our society has forgotten what it's what's about, but the principle, the divine principle, still remains. Right, that there is an order. Okay, and th that's what we have to truly look at and keep. But because the traditions, many traditions, were being brought in, Paul says, this is a divine order, you follow this. Now, it also raised another question with me. Yeah, what, what is this? A mask. A mask, yeah. <laughs> you could probably use it. There you go. So... 
It's a yarmulke. Jews wore the skull cap or the yarmulke. What were they doing when Paul said, don't men ought to not cover their heads? They were covering their heads. This, in the 17th century, became a tradition of the rabbis, and the rabbis made it a condition. Now, it's really funny because if you go to a... Uh, we, when we went to Israel, I walked into David's tomb, looked around, and went, I forgot my skull cap. And I knew that I was going to be, they require that for you to go in to David's tomb to show respect. When you go to the Wailing Wall, they want you to have a yarmulke on. When you're there praying at the wall, and that was the most revealing thing that ever touched my heart, when you back away, you don't turn your back. You take steps back, then you can leave. And, you know, for us Gentiles, why? That's pagan. Well, it was because the presence of God was there. And you're not doing that and this because it has no meaning. You got to understand the meaning. When I understand the meaning, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. So, so the skull cap was out of respect for the rabbis? Just no, no it, it was out of respect to God. And that's, yep, but they weren't following the Torah. They were not following the Torah. Is there anything in the Old Testament that says they shouldn't mention here? This is just Paul saying this here. Right, right. And what he's trying to uphold is the divine order. Now, when that tradition changes, and it, and it did, then you don't have to follow the tradition, but do follow the divine command. I kind of wonder how it started that women started wearing hats in church. Yeah. You know, years ago. Why would they start wearing hats when it clearly says that they should not? They came from the Catholic church. No, 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 the women should keep their heads covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about the Nazarite? You know, in the Old Testament, there was men that were claimed to be Nazarite, and they had to follow rules um, about sin and about the offering and about their hair, but their hair only stayed long. I, I'm in that right now, so I'm reading that, and the reason why it's so fresh in my mind is that uh, it, then it, it was only a certain period that their hair was long, and then they had to shave it. And then they weren't, they couldn't, they, after they had made a promise of some sort. So. Yeah, that was the law. What Paul is trying to get at, the law trumps all things. The law trumps all things. If you made a Nazarite vow not to cut your hair, then you shouldn't. Yep. But they had so many days. 
to do that, right? Where their hair long after, I guess, after it grew out, and then they had to shave it. Now, I think yep, yep, yep. Before they could offer an offering, was uh, yeah, the Nazarite vow could be for Samson. It was a lifetime. He was not allowed to. But that's, you know, and, and, and so there are those that, that, that made a vow for a certain length of time, like Paul. And sometimes they would shave their head. Sometimes they would not. Sometimes they would let it grow out. A lot of that were traditions rather than spelled out by the law. Now, it, when it came to the Nazarite and letting their hair grow, that was that was spelled out in, in the Torah. But what happened in the Jewish faith, they became so afraid of breaking the law that they made 600 other laws to try to keep the Ten Commandments. And take, for instance, the prayer shawl. Oop, I got it on wrong. And by the way, I'm not putting this on the prescribed way. There is a certain way you are to fling it on okay do you know and I always thought I did research I always thought Jesus used the prayer shawl when he read scripture when he prayed I come to find out find out that's not true he didn't cover his head when they read in uh, the synagogue they sat down we say, let's rise. That's a custom, isn't it? It's a, it's a tradition. It doesn't say in the Torah, you must do this. You must do that. Jesus got really upset at traditions, traditions of men. How many of you remember when we moved the communion table. I thought I'd never live that one down. Man, we had people coming to the elders. That is the center of the worship. Well, of the worship, yeah. That's why we gather together. But if I move the table over to the left or to the right, isn't that a tradition? You see, our traditions can become concrete. This is what's happening with the Jews. Okay, the prayer shawl, okay, that didn't come into being until the rabbis made it come into being. Now, the tassels, that's in the law. And they were supposed to put it on their garment. And because it deals with the knots and how many knots and threads of the law. And God gave that as a reminder to them to follow the law and gave it to them as a reminder to, uh, uh, to set them apart. I mean, how many people do you ever find wearing tassels sticking out of their garments? 
It set them apart. God wanted that, and he wanted to remind them, so he made that part of the law. But the prayer shawl wasn't. The skull cap wasn't. So, Mark, is the law only the Ten Commandments and then all those other rules and regulations and stuff in Leviticus and all that? Is that then considered? The law is the uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yeah. And that's why Jesus, though, when he spoke, he would say the law and the prophets. He would include the prophets in what they had to say. Uh, isn't it interesting, the traditions and customs we have? When, when I started uh, contemporary worship, we had a young man here that I just loved dearly, but he always wore his ball cap. And I said, take your hat off. You're in the presence of God. Take your hat off. Why? The Jews wear the skull cap. Why can't I wear my hat? And I quickly realized it wasn't a matter of wanting to do the right thing. It was a matter of he wanted to wear his hat. And, and I remember arguing with him about that hat. And when we first started doing contemporary music, I made a bunch of rules. We, I had problems with girls and the short dresses and sitting on a stool and not looking properly. And I mean, it went, and the guys with holes in their jeans and. Uh, then I had trouble with people who wanted to sing barefoot. And I'm going, let's just worship God, but do it in a proper way. Follow. Sometimes you have some customs that you shouldn't break because you are giving the wrong message. And I put in our worship stuff, I put, do not wear anything that will detract from Jesus. Because if someone's going to be staring at you, they're not staring at Jesus. So in answer to your question again, where there is a divine command... By that, I mean you're following the pattern that, that the Word says. And in this case, that divine part is the orderliness, okay? It is not the veil. It is not the covering. But that covering during the time of Paul reflects that divine custom, okay? It would have no meaning for us today. It really wouldn't. So here we have the traditions, and Jesus was always talking against the traditions of men. But we take the principle of orderliness and we follow it. It was the 17th century rabbi that came up 
with the yarmulke. So you see, traditions change, don't they? Customs change over time. But you have to ask yourself, what does it represent or what are you trying to say with your custom? Are you trying to be rebellious in your custom? You know, there was some of that going on in uh, Corinth also because these many of the Jews had been freed because of the grace from the law, from the grace and given the grace of God, used their freedom to taunt things. So, let's, let's take a look here. He says, but if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given to her as a covering. Any social custom such as the veil, which accentuates an idea suggested by nature, must be proper. That's what he says. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice but have the churches, nor have the churches of God. He went on to say, it is our practice that we follow this. Because why? There was disorder going on. Now, if a woman walks into our sanctuary during the um, worship and she doesn't have a head covering, what would you say? You wouldn't even notice because you don't have any on, right? <laughs> so there's, there is the difference. You're not trying to make a statement. And yet you believe in the divine order and you practice it in your life. Now, customs change, commands never change. Stop and think about the holy kiss. By the way, during the holy kiss, men did not kiss women. Even then, women did not kiss men. Women kissed women, men kissed men. Okay. Uh, or what about foot washing? Is that a command? Or was it a practice that means something? Yeah. So what about customs change slowly, don't they? What about women wearing pants? And, and you, you bring about another thing. There, there was a time I would never walk into a worship service or get up to preach without a tie, right? Those things change slowly, don't they? Those, those customs change slowly. It's when we see the push that we see a little bit of rebellion and you want to say, mm. And the people that came into your offices with the hair down to here and the, the skirts up to here were probably pushing something. Absolutely. Yeah. How long do you think it will be, Mark, until this church never even sees the three wise men on the nativity scene at Christmas time? I know. <laughs> I know. The wise men were not at the nativity, okay? <laughs> In, at my house, I have them way off walking to. <laughs> but 
Carol says, put them closer. I said, no. <laughs> The idea, the old belief that they're there, there's something about the wise man. We yeah. know that's not the case, but it's still tradition, and it still makes a nice scene. Who, who, who notices them down the hallway when they're right here? It's just all that. Yeah, but in that particular case, you know, it's just something that was toiled off subject. It's all part of the Christmas story. It's in God's time, part, things happen yeah. much longer apart. So yeah. people make a big issue out of that. And even the celebration of Christmas is a tradition, exactly. not a command. Okay, you, you can see some of the customs here. You know, what, you, what you've got to really look at is the honor and the order. You can have customs, eternal truth, uh, custom over eternal truth will equal honor over order. Okay? You, you, it's okay to have customs, isn't it? I mean, it's our, I heard the, I was sitting in the office and I was hearing Kenny and Don, the first Thursday evening service. What are you going to wear? You're going to wear shorts? <laughs> you know? And I'm thinking, hmm, okay. <laughs> That's right, I'm the old guy, man. I mean, I'm sitting there going, it's all I can do to, to wear this, you know, and on Thursday or <laughs> you know, I think the church, too, also um, wanted to look at it. Um, uh, you didn't want to turn anyone away from coming to church for sure. what they were wearing. And that is a proper perspective. That is. You're right. But there's a fine line. Right. There is a balance. Yeah, because the, the fine line is we grew up respecting and honoring and recognize God as the authority. And today, the, the styles, it just seems as if, you know, it just seems as if they just don't have that respect for them. Yeah. Often, I guess. Yes. And maybe that's not true, but it just feels that way to those of us that are older. And, and that, that is true. That is true. There's this idea of respect. And I was always taught when you went somewhere special, you dressed up. In fact, just the other day, I was looking, I said, my tux is in there. I said, I'll probably never wear that again. You know, because people don't get dressed up to go anywhere anymore. And, and I told Carol, I said, we've got to find some place to, to go where we can get dressed up. <laughs> Maybe we can do that at the church for a senior dinner. Or That's right, a dress up. Yep. You know, and, and, and I look at that, and I understand with, uh, I'll never forget Carol telling about her mom, whose birthday is today, Carol's mom's birthday is today, she, she had to get six kids ready for church by herself, because her dad didn't go. She would get those kids ready, throw them in the car, all six of them, and she would head off to church. One Sunday she went to church and she overheard a woman saying, she doesn't even wear stockings. It crushed her mom. You see, there's the other side too, like, like you had mentioned. And 
She prayed about it and prayed about it and said, I can't allow that. If I can't afford those kinds of clothing, I can't allow that to keep me from church. So, some things are traditions or customs. And we must always keep in mind the intention of the heart, the divine order, the honor, in order to move on. Uh, we need to recognize that we want to preserve divine order. We want to preserve. I, I honestly believe we're in such a mess in our families today because we don't understand role models. We've, we've blurred them away. And they are needed. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.